No major revelation yesterday, though. Uh, I think everybody expected it, and that's where crime victims advocate Laura Ahern uh, took her spot as far as November 3rd is concerned, the general election in that first state uh, senatorial, and uh, a, a heck of a victory. She started early, and from the get-go, never let up. And Laura Ahern is a name. Great to have you. Congratulations. Thanks. Jerry, it's great to be here. It's uh, it's been an amazing uh, day and a half since um, you know, yesterday was the final count. We're really excited. <clears throat> We're all looking forward to uh, to the election in November. And I have to thank you for uh, for that uh, ongoing um, you know, opportunity that you provided to me and to every other candidate. You're so fair. Um, you really dig deep into the issues, and uh, you do. You're the kind of person who wants to help our community, and you're an advocate yourself. And I know you're uh, you're the star at 103.9, but you're you're the star in the community, Jay, because you really care about what's happening, and I appreciate that. Jeez, you won already. You didn't have to say all that. By the way, uh, Amanda, <laughs> did you get that recorded? We'll use that as <laughs> no. Listen, I think, and, and you know, the whole idea, and a lot of people ask me this off the air and everything else, but you know, it, it's about letting the public. Get an idea of a, of a candidate. And that's why I invite everybody on. Uh, now, listen, there are a lot of stations that don't do that. You know that. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, you got to be fair. You want everybody on, you give everybody a chance. Whether or not they accept it, that's, uh, you know, a whole other thing. But uh, quite frankly, the public has a right to know everybody's viewpoints and everything else. What was, in your mind, what was the big topic as far as voters were concerned with you? What, what do you think they had to decipher most in their heads as far as what Laura Ahern has brought to the table and why she is the, you know, the nominee to represent the party. What do you think was the overall factor for you in the last couple of months? I think that uh, all of us as candidates, there are five total, all of us had a very unique situation. We started out in an environment that would have been uh, any normal campaign. And, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not an individual that was going to Democratic committee meetings um, every week. I had been involved in some campaigns along the way. But um, we had to all put together a campaign, and it was a big campaign, right? This Senate District 1 is a really big district. There's a lot of differing um, needs and a lot of differing values. I think the challenge for all of us was COVID, um, not only for us as um, as candidates, but people in the community. The Everything that just, it was a whirlwind, and all of us were in a position of even feeling traumatized. We were losing loved ones. You and I worked on the nursing home issue, and that continues to, to be an issue. We all were working to try to survive. That's what happened. I mean, we were in a normal campaign mode, and then COVID happened. And then uh, we had uh, George Floyd be murdered, and that was just uh, you know, devastating to, our, to the whole entire, not only nation, or locally here, but New York State, our nation, and our world. And we were all focused on and continue to be focused on structural racism and how to eliminate it. So I would say along the way, it was the greatest challenge was being able to be resilient and being able to respond to what was happening in the community at the time. And that's very unique to campaigns because we had two, two human catastrophes happen, COVID and then uh, the first murder of, um, you know, of uh, George Floyd. So that was the challenge, I think, for everyone in the community. But 
to, to get more, to dig more deep into your question, I think it was about being able to get information, right? Because COVID and because of um, racial, racial injustice and what was happening, getting information to voters was critical. We couldn't go to their doors. We couldn't knock on their doors and introduce ourselves. We couldn't have big meetings where people could come together to vet us because that's what a primary is. It's about vetting the candidates and getting to know the candidates and um, voters asking themselves the questions of, is that candidate going to represent my values? So I think for, like, to answer your question very directly, it was just the human catastrophes that happened and us being able to, as candidates, get to people's mailboxes and people's doors. And, uh, you know, we, we worked really hard, and we started working, I mean, in the back, we were probably doing this about two years ago when I was thinking about running and then made a decision I was going to run. But in August, we actually started. So I actually started introducing myself to folks around the state here locally. And as time went on, we built a solid team and we kept ourselves focused on what the issues were in terms of winning the campaign. And I have to have kudos to all the voters out there who who went online, looked me up, uh, remembered what I had done to help maybe them or their families. And know that I am dedicated, committed, and I will represent them fiercely as I have for the past 25 years for victims of crime and their families. You know, just to put a little more in perspective what you said, you know, it's a different way of campaigning right now, obviously. You can't go to Long Island Railroad Station. You can't go to Ron Konkama and shake hands. You just, you, first of all, there's no commuters because ridership was down a zillion percent. Yeah. But, you know, I remember the day when my kids were young, We, you know, North Shore Little League there, Route 25A, Miller Place, so the great Kent Laval would meet and greet everybody on opening day and give you an announcement. You didn't have that. You know, you, you had different types of ways of doing it. And, uh, you know, you had to adjust and everything else. And I give you a lot of credit for it. So as you embark now on this uh, journey uh, towards November the 3rd, what do you see as as some of the big issues? You know, we've had a lot of stuff in the news. You know, we've had the, the racial inequality. We've had the, uh, the the funding. We've had the executive orders signed and sealed. Uh, we, we've had 50A slashed, repealed first time in, a, in a 50 years. Uh, we've had the police departments, uh, you know, under the scope and, and just stripped of, of powers, it seems. You know, we've had bail reform with a couple of tweaks here or there. I mean, it, where, where do you go here? What are you, where, where are you fighting for? What do you want to convey to the, the resident on their mind as you embark on the second leg here? There is so much work to be done, and I hope folks have gone to my website because along the way, if you go to the priority areas, that's building because, you know, I'm not, I'm not the typical candidate who just sort of has, um, you know, here's the main issues I want to work on just to, to sort of get elected. That's not who I am. And those folks who know me, um, they voted for me, and I, and I believe that has a lot to do with it because I get myself involved in many, many issues that involve our community that are important to them. So every community, every town, we're, we're a really big district, right? Every single town has their own unique need. But overall, I think right now, the greatest concern everyone has is the economy and the fear they have of being laid off, the fear they have of education being cut. I mean, we have to think about the reality of the implementation of education. Right now, we have to come up with a plan. School districts have to come up with a plan to be able to socially distance and educate children. Parents have to figure out a way to go to work with their children home maybe every other day, depending upon the school district's plan. So it's actually in the implementation of what the issues are that we have 
how are we going to implement them? Parents, parents are really, really beside themselves trying to figure out how am I going to educate my children and also go to work. So we are, as the governor has said, re-envisioning our workplaces. We have to because parents send their kids off to school to be educated, but also as a part of that, they have to go to work. And, well, they have to go to work because we have some, uh, some issues here, right, in, uh, in New York State. We don't have our salt deduction anymore. So I'm going to work very closely with our federal representative to get that back so that we can deduct our taxes. We're getting, we're getting hammered. So I think economically where our eyes are on that, businesses, small businesses are struggling. I'd like to get some tax incentives for them. I'd like to uh, work with uh, our other state centers to get a senior tax break. I think that they deserve that. They're on fixed incomes. They can't even scale down in their houses now because they couldn't even buy a house that, um, that would be smaller because they can't afford it. So also criminal justice. You know me, Jay. I am, um, I'm certainly a person who is very um, pro-law enforcement and also public safety. I have a long laundry list. Of, um, of different initiatives that I would like to, uh, or bills I'd like to introduce, starting with going back to the core of Megan's Law. Right now, we have some serious issues with Megan's Law uh, in New York State related to compliance with the federal government. I'd like to see uh, us focus a little more attention on the opioid ep epidemic. We have so much happening right now um, in our communities with um, with bail reform. With some of, we did get some of the, um, the amendments we were looking for. So there's more I'd like to work on there. I mean, even we're not done with COVID-19, so I want to get back to creating a pandemic unit and take a look at what happened uh, with nursing homes and folks being, you know, subjected to COVID-19. I mean, they were just, uh, the percentages were just remarkable. We had over 25% of folks who died from COVID died in nursing homes or assisted care facilities. I want to get to the bottom of that to make sure that we don't ever have a circumstance like that again. And also, we, we can't forget about the fact that Long Island, so our drinking water is the most polluted in the state. We have some issues to work with with um, nitrogen-reducing septic systems. We have climate change legislation we have to work on. We have to ensure we get the funding we were promised for climate change. So we have a lot to fight for, and it really does start with ensuring that we get the, the funding where we're entitled to, which we have not been getting. Uh, we need a bigger voting block here on Long Island, and we're going to get it. When I'm elected, I'll be number seven. We used to have nine, the Republican nine. Now we're going to move toward the Democratic nine so that we can have a bigger voice and not be controlled by New York City. And lastly, I'm not going to be focused uh, in any way, shape, or form on defending, defunding law enforcement. Law enforcement are the ones that are arresting those sexual predators that are targeting our children, the domestic violence abusers that are abusing their spouses, uh, those kids that are hunted down by MS-13 gang members and murdered with machetes. Law enforcement are the ones that come in, do those investigations, and prefer an arrest, and then the district attorney takes it from there. I don't see any way that we're going to defund law enforcement in any way, shape, or form. I would like to see some additional training. I know the county's already working on that plan. So I, I look forward. I, you know, I could go on for the next hour, Jack. <laughs> There's a lot we have to do, and I'm looking forward to doing it. I, I hear you. I tell you, when it comes to the police stuff, uh, it is a, a just it's terrible. It really is. Within the confines of the city, uh, retirement now is up. It's I think I, I saw this morning, 411%, uh, uh, a changeover from last year. Nobody wants the job anymore. I mean, 
What does that tell you? It is it is it is downright as bad as I've ever seen it right now with this uh, mayor yeah, of the city. But that's and, all. And that's all. Some thing. of them don't feel safe, and I, and I can't say I blame them, Mom. And that's know, why that, people we leave. We really it. have to work on that. And these are the men and women that are going out every day, sacrificing their lives. You know, um, it, they they even on a simple patrol stop can go bad. They they get out of the car. They're so vulnerable, and we have to remember that they are the ones that we call. So when nine one one is called, you're not getting an operator said, okay, yeah, we'll be, we'll get back to you in a few hours. They're the ones that respond, and we have to remember that. And, and you know, another issue, too, is a lot of folks aren't aware of this, and I really want to um, work on this when I'm, when I'm up in Albany, and that's on, on labor. Do you know that uh, a construction worker dies? One, one construction worker dies every five days in New York State on construction sites. That was, to me, when I heard that statistic, I just, I was stunned. But we have to work on um, ensuring that um, the men and women in labor are also protected, that they're safe. And I'm going to work closely with a lot of the, uh, the unions to ensure that that happens. I just, I, I was, again, really taken back to hear that um, these are men and women that are going to work every day in labor, and they are, they actually fear that they could die on a construction site. That's just outrageous. It's just, they're just like the men and women in blue. They're just trying to, um, to build a life for themselves and their family. They're trying to own a home and uh, be part of the community, and they have to fear that they would be killed on the job because of unsafe conditions. So I'm going to work on that as well. All right, two quick ones for you here um and i was thinking about this because you're kind of you know you're a middle of the road democrat uh right now you got what 40 to 23 dems for majority in each house 106 42 in the assembly we'll see what happens but here's the thing i was thinking about you you're kind of an odd one here because you have a progressive left movement that has permeated down this state to the point where you have you know a guy like Elliot Engel, look what happened to him. You know, and it's the Ocasio-Cortez effect that I've been stating all along. So you're right there. So you're going to be battling those individuals. You're going to be battling Republicans on the on the other side if you get through. Um, have you thought about that? Because, you know, you're going to be looked upon on both areas here, both sides. You have a progressive liberal that is liberalism that has, you know, it, it's it's a disease that has taken place right now. And somehow that has to be extracted as far as getting back to some sort of normality. And then Republicans are going to have their voice. How are you going to handle both sides like that? I think it's it's about my demonstrated history of being able to stay true to who I am and the values that I have because I am moderate and I have, um, for the past 25 years, I've been able to negotiate with uh, just about everybody on every side because when you have a goal you want to achieve, you can't go from all the way to one side or the other. You have to stay in the middle, and you have to be able to, to listen to those folks on both sides. And, and I know that that sometimes is, is challenging to do, but when you get down to the core of it, like, for example, health care. I'm not, um, you know, as a Democrat, um, I was, by certain individuals, I was highly criticized for not supporting the New York Health Act. And it's not because I don't support health care for all, because I do. I, I completely support that. It's outrageous that um, that we have a circumstance where folks can't get health care. And, and COVID-19 has highlighted just how dangerous that is. So I do support health care for all. But I don't support burdening small businesses and um, and middle-class folks with the cost of the New York Health Act. That's the problem. So we don't differ 
in what we what we want. It's a matter of how we get there. And I think that that's why when I met with um, Senator Janaris, who's the um, chairman of the New York State Senate Democratic Campaign Committee, I met with him early on, and they you know they know how we differ. They they absolutely know how we differ on issues related to crime, uh, on health care, but at the same time, there's room to have. An opinion, and there's as long as those opinions are respectful of each other. You know, I think that um, that I'm going to just stay true to myself, and that's why voters, you know, they voted for me because they know that I'm capable of doing that. I've done it for 25 years. Last one, and I think it's the most important aspect as the campaign itself, as you embark for the next couple of months, and that is backing. And to me, winners and losers no matter who they are, are always separated, unfortunately sometimes, by dollars and cents. Do you get in your mindset right now as we speak on this ninth day of July that the Democratic Party recognizes you as the choice, the choice to lead and the choice to take over a first state senatorial? And let's face it, Ken Laval. He was there, what, 44 years? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that is a, that's a major situation going on here. But to me, it comes down to backing, party backing, dollars and cents, fundraising, donations. Uh, these are important aspects as you get into the next couple of months. How do you feel about it? Are you confident that you will have complete, full embrace the whole nine yards as far as getting you to the top of that mountain come November 3rd. Absolutely. And I think that that's a reflection of our party leader, uh, Chairman Richie Schaefer, because Richie has, uh, has been doing this for a long time, and there's been plenty of winners, and there's been plenty of folks who did not win, and those individuals come back to the table because they want to be part of ensuring that the, the party and the democratic values are instilled in government. So I don't see I don't see a problem with that. I think that it's just we've we had a primary and um, it got uh, contentious at times. And at the same time, we all want the same thing. And I think all of that just gets put aside. In the end, when I met with um, <clears throat> with Mike Janaris back in um, August of last year, my goal was to ensure that we stayed unified on a state and a county level and that we were really focused on just the goal. And the goal was to ensure that I was the one who won that Senate seat. And at the time, Ken Laval was, was in that seat. So, and, and I also want to add that Ken, <clears throat> although we differed in some of our values, Ken um, was a respected, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, I have bad allergies today, was a, a respected institution and is still, and I have the utmost res, res, respect for him. And I want to ensure that when when he leaves, that that his departure is done in a way that is um, very um, commensurate with what he's done for our community. This man gave over 40 years of his life, and he deserves that respect. So with that, um, all of us on a town level, I know I'm confident, are going to come together. Um, and that process has already started, and on a state level as well. Um, and I'm fully confident that we're going to have the support of the county party and the state party. And, you know, we have to keep in mind that voters are the ones who elected me. The party, the parties are supposed to stay neutral during primaries. So it's not even um, a question of whether or not they would support me into the future. It's more just knowing that that neutrality 
has to stay that way during primaries to ensure that voters have an opportunity. And in the end, if certain individuals were more supportive of their individual candidates because they wanted that candidate to win, and I understand that, and, you know, we move forward from there. But keep in mind, Jay, it's the voters who elected me, and it's our campaign that worked really hard, and certain people in each one of the committees were dedicated to my candidacy, even if, you know, they couldn't publicly do it. Um, they followed the rules. They stayed within the boundaries. Those are individuals that are going to step up now, too. So even if somebody else supported another candidate, that's okay, because, you know, in another two years, um, when uh, when the time comes, if there's a primary for me, you know, those are, you know, that's an incumbency. I'm sure the, the party's going to want to protect. I I completely understand decisions people made, and I'm ready to move forward with uh, the county and the state. All right. It seems complex, but uh, yet so easy. And uh, we'll certainly uh, be eagerly awaiting and see how everything uh, takes place. I can't thank you enough for a couple of minutes. A hearty congratulations from yours truly here. And uh, a well-done campaign. i got to tell you, very well done, methodically everything, the way it was done, from the get-go, I might add. And I look forward to many a conversation with you in the next couple of months. How's that? Sounds good, Jay. Thank you.